Thank you for downloading The Pursuit Podcast. For more information on The Pursuit, visit thepursuitsoco.com. Um, this not to be just us creating something, but all of us creating something. I feel we have an opportunity to really create something beautiful that we all want to be a part of, right? Not just something that we dictate, hey, this is how it's going to be, okay? So, um, don't know why I have a little bit of fear about what we're going to talk about, but that's okay. We're going to talk about it anyways. How about that? But Daniel said we could be us, so. <laughs> oh. Earlier, right? Doug, can I steal one of those waters? We just toss it to me. Got caught in the. Yeah, I'll give it back when I'm done. How about I'll borrow it? I'll borrow it. All right. So one of the things I've learned in preaching is set the bar really low so that when you exceed the bar, people are really excited about what you did. <laughs> Under promise, over deliver, right? It's a really good sales tactics. Um, <laughs> so we were on vacation last week, and um, we're like, on the drive home, we'll compile the questions, and then we'll figure out what we're going to talk about. And um, we'll just say that didn't happen. Um, we got into, but it was good. Actually, it was really good. <laughs> we um, got into some really good conversations that flushed out some pretty big emotions that we were both having around our relationship and the pursuit and our involvement. So that was really good. But then when we got home, we were able to, to really dive into it. Um, but, you know, God does stuff for a reason. And um, I think it got us to a place where, um, I'll just say this, we were in San Diego last week. And our kids were like, can we go home, get all of our stuff and come back and move here? And I, I'm just going to be honest, Daniel said we could be us, you know, he's the boss of me. So um, <laughs> if, if my kids said that to me two and a half years ago, I would have said, yep, let's do it. Let's go. But it was a really amazing thing for me to be there so San Diego is a place for me historically. I've been going there. My, all of my dad's family lives there. And so I've been going there since I was little, little, little. So it's gotten tons of nostalgia. Ton, it's just like, it's the place that I said, if I could move anywhere, I would move there. And it was a really cool thing for me to have my kids say that and normally know that my heart would be like, yes, let's, I would love to do that. But to go, no, that's not where I'm called. Yeah. And I, I will be honest and vulnerable. We've lived here for almost 14 years, and that was the first time that that's ever happened to me. Every other time, I've been like, well, maybe, like, almost like, hey, God, would you maybe call me here, please? That would be great. <laughs> you know, there's always in the back of my mind, oh, well, maybe we'll move back to Reading, back home, you know, or maybe we'll move somewhere. But it was the first time for me that I felt like what we're building is what we're supposed to be building and where we're called is where we're supposed to be called. And that is a very amazing feeling for me personally. So anyways, let's just get into it. Do you have anything to say about that? So our kids are planning to go to college there. So yeah, that's, so fine. that's <laughs> fine. So we'll visit. Yeah. I don't know if that was like, if it was like for you, but that's what it was like for me. Yeah. So here we go. Okay. We're just going to start in. Um, there's a handful of questions. We're just going to answer the questions, but then through those questions, um, hopefully um, answer some broader questions and talk about the community as a whole. So um, this first question is, how did the vision and core values get set? 
Uh, is it just with Elijah and Christina? Is it with the board, the preaching team? And then kind of a sub-question is, um, did any of core values get left out? Like, didn't quite make the cut. Um, so the process for me on coming up with the vision and mission statement was an interesting one. I had, this is, it actually started in 2019 before the pursuit was ever a thing. I was just praying and asking God, like, what do you want for us to create? What are you looking for us to be to a community, to a people? What kind of community do you want us to create? And I had just finished reading um, a book called uh, A Vision Driven Leader. I'm forgetting the author at the moment. Um, and you know, it's like without vision, the people perish. And so it's like, ma write it down, make it plain. And so I'm like, okay, if I'm going to be a leader, which was still felt new to me, then I should write it down, okay? And the mission statement actually came first, which is interesting, um, because I had experienced um, what it's like to have someone not love you unconditionally, I had experienced what it was like to feel like their love for me was predicated on what I could do for them or if I was the right version of myself in their presence. And that sent me on a journey of God speaking to my heart pretty intensely that I had done that to a lot of people. That I had prayed for someone or sown into someone's life with the expectation that they would be something different. That if I'm going to pour my life out into you, then you better change into the thing that I want you to become. And when people resisted that, I would be like, well, not my life, not my problem. And I would withdraw who I was and remove my strength from them. And I really heard the Lord say really intensely to me, Christians love people into something rather than just love people. We love people and pray for people with the hope that they will be something different. Now, I'm not saying they shouldn't be better, the best version of themselves, or, or find Jesus, or stop their addictive behavior. I'm not saying that that shouldn't happen. I'm just saying that can't be the purpose of our love. It can't be the reason. And so that the mission statement came first. It was like, your job is literally to love people without expecting them to be any different than they are. All the while giving yourself, giving tools to them to be different than who they are, to be a better version of who they are, but without the expectation of change. And um, so it was a really intense kind of process for me. And it's gone through a few iterations. And every time we would dialogue about it and discuss it, she would <laughs> challenge me like a wonderful partner does. I don't understand that. What does that mean? Can you clarify? You know, so this, the final version, it looked a little bit different before, of course, as it does. You go through some changes. But then it was really obvious to me what the mission was pointing to. It was pointing to be safe for people to find Jesus. It was pointing to we have misrepresented Jesus. We have not represented him well because we're loving people until they decide not to be different. When they decide, no, I don't want to change, then we're like, well, okay, well, good. I'm going to move on to somebody else who, if I love them, they might change. And that's just 
not what Jesus came for. He did come to see us be a best version of ourselves, but he came to love and show love abundant and unconditional. He died on the cross while we are still sinning, right? Um, and then as far as the core values go, we were just um, been looking at, I believe that core values really help create and shape culture. And so as we were talking about, the core values came um, after we had started the pursuit, pursuit when we were looking at how do we create the culture that we would want to be a part of. Sorry, it was selfish. It was just like, I, I want to be excited to be in this culture, to be in this community. And so all of the core values were stemmed from that. They honestly, if, if I'm honest, they stemmed from um, just our heart to create culture. It's like what I want to be a part of. Um, and so that's why we've been going through the core values the last couple of months, because it's really, really important that those are reinforced. And I'll be honest, not all of the core values um, come natural to me. They don't come natural, but they've been, been people who have spoken into my life and what I've learned over the last couple of years, just really understanding these are the things that we want the culture to be about. Um, and we don't need to go all over all those core values. But there wasn't really any um, core values that didn't make the cut. There are some small parts of the culture that we want to create that didn't make it into core values. And we can go over that some other time if you want to come ask. Um, but there wasn't really um, anything that didn't make it. So I don't know if you want to say anything about that. No. I'm trying to, she needs to talk. I'm going to try and get her to talk. But <laughs> I don't want to talk the whole time. So you have to say stuff. Okay. Of course I do. Do I have it memorized? It's, on the wall. <laughs> it's also on the wall there. Yeah. Yeah, you want me to do that? Sure, okay. We'll start with a vision statement. To create a safe space for people from all walks of life to encounter Jesus and become the best version of themselves, spirit, soul, and body. So that's the vision statement, like I said before, is what we're trying to create. It may not be where we are yet, but this is what we're trying to create. And we do that through our mission, which is to love people unconditionally without expectation of change, giving them tools to discover whole health and become the best version of themselves, spirit, soul, and body. And the core values are pursuit of his presence is our purpose. So we pursue God in everything we do. Inside the church and out, we long to live in communion with him. To healthy families and healthy community are the next move of God. Empowering people is our passion, which we didn't, we didn't do that core value. I'm actually going to speak on that core value next week. So come back if you want to know about empowering people. But it's, we believe every person was made in the image of God, and we all carry a piece of who he is. And if we are separate from each other, I never can see the fullness of who Jesus is. Because there's a piece of him that you carry that I don't. And without the body of Christ, we can never actually see a full representation of who Jesus is. Honor is our goal. We honor people because we are honorable in all our relationships. We operate with respect, empathy, kindness, and love. The truth is, is everyone was created in the image of God, and that's a perfect reason to honor. You look like Jesus. Whole health is our priority. God has called us to be healthy in our entire beating, spirit, soul, and body. 
Authenticity is our mandate. We don't do fake. We are real in all our interactions. We say what we mean, and we do what we say. I feel like I could talk forever on that as far as Christians not representing Jesus very well. We say a whole lot of stuff and don't do a whole lot of stuff. Like love unconditionally. Got real quiet. <laughs> Generosity is our privilege. We have a generous, wonderful God. And so we're generous with our time and money. A blessed people are a blessing to people. Excellence is our standard. We reflect God's excellence in everything we do. And community is crucial. God created humanity for the sole purpose of relationship. We were created to live in community with God and with people. So the whole reason he did this whole thing is for authentic, real relationship mm -hmm. with a creation. So those are the core values, and you're welcome. Thanks for asking. That could have been a question, I guess. Can you repeat the core values? That was, yeah. <laughs> okay, question number two. How does this, the format of the Sunday morning American church help fulfill the vision of the pursuit? <laughs> That's a great question, Sarah McMinn. I know, just in case she's watching. Um, this is a, a question that we've actually had conversation about a lot. Um, the short answer is it doesn't. It doesn't actually help fulfill the mission of the pursuit or vision. That's the short answer. The long answer is, you want to say the long answer? You want me to say Sundays aren't for the conversion of believers. It's not for people to find Jesus, in my opinion. Sunday mornings are for family. Sunday mornings are very important to me because there's something about a community of people who believe the same thing, doing one thing in unity, which is worship, mm -hmm. and sharpening each other. That's what Sundays are for. And I, be honest, Sunday mornings and church services come with a whole bunch of trauma for me. Anybody else? Okay. So we're all in the same boat. It's weird to have a, a really big joy experience to be with my people and also a really big pain experience. Right? And that's the tension. But if we, if we come down to it, Sundays are for being together with people who believe the same as we do and worship. If you think about it, it's one of the few times during the week, month, year, whatever, that even Christians come together and stop arguing about stuff. It's one of the few times we're unified around something, right? Corporate worship is a unity expression. And it's beautiful. You can't do that in your prayer closet, right? You can't. So that's why I believe Sunday mornings are important. But it is not a place necessarily where our vision to create a safe place for people to find Jesus will happen. Let's be honest. Most people who are looking for Jesus aren't going inside this building to find him. They're going to find them in you in your workplace. They're going to find them in you at the grocery store. They're going to find them in you everywhere you walk. And I didn't used to think I had an evangelistic nature, but I realized I absolutely do. 
it's very important that this house becomes a safe place. And when I say this house, I'm talking about you. I'm not talking about this building. And so I don't actually believe Sunday mornings is meant to bring people to Jesus. That's going to happen. Okay, it's going to happen. Don't get me wrong. I'm, if somebody's like, I want to find Jesus in here, and I'm like, no, sorry, you can't do that inside. <laughs> if you can walk out the doors real quick, we'll come and greet you, and then, yes, you can find Jesus out there. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that's not the purpose and mission of Sunday mornings. It's just not. Sundays are for family. And when we, when we leave these doors, what we're looking to do is add people to our family. Right? That's what we're doing, looking to add people to our family. Is there anything to add to that? The only so a couple, a while ago, Elijah preached this message that really changed my outlook on, on a lot of things. Really? Yeah. Nice. You're a pretty good speaker. Um, but just the concept of Christ in me, the hope of glory. So without, like coming to church, that's great worship, seeing each other, like it's, it's such a good time. But like Christ in, inside of me, in my actions, in my vocation, and what I do outside, that's where the glory comes. And yeah, like you said, we want to make our family bigger and stronger any great family would want to grow, right? And so I think just having that understanding Christ in me is the hope that God will be made known in the world. So that's just my... Yeah, and we'll talk about this a little more in some of these other questions, but that's one of the main reasons why we believe it's important for us to create opportunities outside of Sunday mornings for people to find safety with us. Right? And so that's when we're talking about health services and trying to reach out into the community. But we can talk about that in just a second. Um, so hopefully that answers that question. Uh, question number three, what are practical ways that we can create a safe place for people who, who do walk in the doors? And when, so when this person asked who walk in the doors, I don't think about necessarily the doors of this building, although it could be this building. I think about who walk into the doors of anyone who belongs to this community. So that's the doors of your house, the doors of a community center we create, the doors of your heart. It can be anything. How do we actually create a safe place for people to find Jesus? And, well, the first thing that came to my mind is, well, our mission statement's pretty good at explaining how to do that. Love unconditionally without expectation of change, which means I'm allowed to be me in your presence and you're allowed to be you in my presence. And that is a lot harder to do than it is to say. Because people are people. <laughs> right? But it, yeah. Well, just like, lo lo that's, I feel like so oftentimes we fall short just, just there, loving people. I think we have the hardest time loving people, even like, okay, I'm a mom, and sometimes loving my kids, I'm like, oh, I just really want you to do better. I really want you to, you know, have a better attitude, or have get a better grade, or not be mean to your sibling. You know, like, I want them to do better, but what am I doing by just correcting them all the time, like, mm. and trying to, and wanting them to be different, wanting them to, you know, and I think it's so, even hard as a parent to, to love, but how are we going to love people that are, like, like, really far out there in our opinions, or, you know, what, where are we, where's our, what's our gauge of what love even is, and is it allowing them to be them, because I have a feeling if I love my kids and give them space to grow and learn and challenge themselves and just create that safety where they can experience heartache, they can experience hard stuff, 
that I feel like is more loving because they will learn that way rather mm. than me telling them who to be or me telling them what to do. They're yep. not going to learn a lot. Yep. I'll be, I'll be really good at living their life, but they won't learn to live their own life. Yeah. That's so. really good. It's good. It's a truth bomb. Nice. Yeah. That's, see, it's really hard to do even with your own kids. We were just on a 10 hour road trip with our kids. So we really understand this. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were awesome, actually. They're shockingly. They only asked a few, Blake only asked a few times if we were there yet. <laughs> he's the one. We get 30 minutes down the road, and he's like, are we there yet? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, we are. Look around. We're there. Can you see? Um, okay, so yeah, loving unconditionally. I think one thing that's really big is regarding people's experience. I think it, it's, it sounds easy but it's not because what if someone's experience really doesn't line up with your moral compass? It's really easy to go, mm, you're wrong. Because that's not truth or that's not what the Bible says. <laughs> but that's no, no way to gain influence over someone's, in someone's life. And so allowing people to be and have their experiences and not disregarding. You don't have to believe it, but you don't have to discount it either. It's what they're experiencing. It's what they're feeling. And if you want to love somebody unconditionally, you have to step into whatever experience they're having and relate and empathize. You don't have to understand it to regard it. Like, I don't have to understand what you're going through or what you believe or even who you are to regard you and have you feel important to me. So allowing people to be authentic, and I think it, those are things that we can do personally, but as a larger organization, one of the things that we realize we need to do is actually create small opportunities for people to risk. So one of the, the biggest things with our kids um, and even it really loving that they, they do sports is the opportunity to risk and fail in a safe place is really important. Like to, to be able to step out and, oh, missed it there. Well, that's okay. We'll help you. Like creating small opportunities. And this was another question that someone asked that I think it goes along with us. They asked, they said, they've never exercised before and feel self-conscious. How do I start? Okay, so that is a perfect example of how can we create a safe place for people okay so uh, seven years or so ago when i started crossfit i was pretty overweight just tired of being sick and tired and i i'm the kind of person that once i make my mind to do that making the decision is the hardest part but once i make the decision it's like okay here we go that's just who i am so i walked into a crossfit gym didn't know anybody barely even knew about crossfit just was like i gotta make a change and I walk in the doors and I'm like, this is freaking intimidating. Holy smokes. And I'm a pretty confident person, but what, the amount of fear that I had, one, I'm like out of breath getting out of my car. <laughs> I walk into a place where I assume that everyone's going to be jacked and super fit, and I'm not that. Very squishy. Um, <laughs> and it's just an intimidating space. All these people have been together for a long time, right? And I walk in the doors and you know, whatever, a year or so goes by, and I notice this pattern happening. 
people who really need this community of fitness and health would walk in the doors, they'd come in, they'd be there for a month or so, and then they'd leave. They'd be there for two months, and then they'd leave. And I was like, there's got to be a better way to, to lower the barrier of entry, the fear for people who need this. And it's just so important that we create these small opportunities for people to risk. It's like, okay, what, what is that? Uh, maybe we have a walking club where it doesn't matter, shape, size, whatever, we go for a walk. You know, just like what we're doing with our fitness and health is that. That's what we want to do is create a space where people feel safe to risk, safe to step out of their comfort zone. Because if you don't feel safe to do it, you'll never do it. Not, no, some people will, but not very many people are that way. It's like if you feel unsafe, you're not going to risk. If you feel like you're going to be judged, you're not going to risk. So we have to create, and so we have vision for it, but we're just going to create small opportunities where people can come in, feel safe to risk a little bit, see that even if they fail, it's okay. We love them for where they're at on their journey, who they are, and then help them walk along the way. That's the beautiful thing about community is when you actually realize that everyone is struggling just the same as you, <laughs> then you're like, oh, okay, we can, we can go somewhere together. So hopefully that answers. Is that question? Do you have any comments on that? You should have more comments. She says really good stuff to me at home. Okay. What's next? Is this okay so far? It's like, hopefully it's, yeah, we're going to get through it right now. Okay. Question number five, what is our, we had a, several questions about this, actually. What is our one, three, five-year plan? Um, one, one year, what's our plan? Comma, five. sorry, one, comma, three, comma, five, car. Like, what's our vision for the future, basically, where are we wanting to go? Um, so, year for, so this year, I asked the whole staff to just write down what their focus was for the year and what they're trying to do. And, um, my focus for the year, and I think is the focus for the house, is growing this family. So we, there are people that are supposed to be in this family that have strengths that we need that are not here yet. And that's going to mean you guys are going to have to help invite them. You know people who have strengths that need to be added to this house. And that's the focus for this year. But it's not the only focus. It's just the primary focus. Um, in the next one to three years, we really are wanting to reach out into the community and start getting the word out of our mission and what we're doing, especially with whole health. Like, we're really wanting to um, kind of infiltrate starting here in this neighborhood. And we are. It's getting the words out. We actually... I'm trying to do a short, quick story. Uh, I went to the Larkfield Chamber of Commerce meeting uh, two weeks ago, Doug. Was it two weeks ago? Yeah. A week and a half. Sure. Not last Thursday, the one before. Yeah? Right. Okay. Um, and so I had the opportunity just to share what we're doing, just a vision of wanting to create a space where people could find whole health services from nutrition coaching to exercise classes to eventually social services and life coaching and all of that stuff. And so I got to share 
our vision. And then afterwards, this pretty cool little like kiss from God. They do this thing every single month. They call it a uh, pot of gold. Is that what it's called? And so they have the names of every single business that's in the chamber. So it's like 150 names or something like that. And they're on a p- little piece of paper in this big pot of gold. So they, re- they do this every month. They reach in, pick the name. If the person is there at the meeting, they get $300. It's only happened one time before because the name gets picked and usually they're not there. Okay, so what happens, I present what's going on. They go right into the pot of gold. And as soon as he reached his hand in there, I knew it. I'm like, he's going to pick the pursuit. I knew it right away. And he pulls the name out and he goes, God is good, the pursuit. And so... Anyways, it was just like, because I, w- I did mention fundraising and that we're wanting to raise funds for this community center. And so anyways, that was kind of a cool. But in that meeting, I couldn't get out of there fast enough because, not fast enough, I couldn't get out of there because everyone wanted to talk to me. Everyone wanted to know and partner with what we're doing, right? And so there's, there, there's some cool stuff happening for sure. Now we just need some money, but that's okay. God can do that. That's an easy one. Um, in five years, we really want to have a dedicated like health and fitness center where that's kind of the primary focus. And in 10 years, well, I'm trying to skip through, go real fast. 10 years, I really would like to see us be known for a place. If you need whole health services, I'm not talking about health care. Health care is for emergencies. Health care is for acute issues. I'm talking about preventative whole health care and whether that's mental health, physical health, spiritual health. I really believe that if we address mental, if we address the soul and body, people will invite us to talk to their, about their spirit health. So that's the 10-year goal. Um, it's amazing because a year, a couple years ago, we started praying for powerful people to come around us. And because I think traditionally it's like, leaders of a church, they kind of want to be the number one person, and it's, you know, it can get weird, but we were praying, God, send us powerful people. We need powerful people that have strengths, that have, you know, giftings, that they can empower what we're doing in the vision, and it's amazing the team that is building, that's being built right now, whether it's us coming alive, if you've been here for 10 years, coming alive and becoming powerful, I, I feel like that's me. Um, others that are new to the community that are just showing up and becoming powerful and helping us. And so it's really exciting because eventually, you know, the one year, three year, five year, we need a lot more powerful people. Yeah. You know, a lot more people yes. that are walking in their identity, walking in their calling, walking in who they're they're supposed to be. And in my mind, supposed to be who you, who they want to be. You know, it's that's that's what we're hoping to get. And that's my one, three, five year is just grow the strength in this place where we can all be powerful because we all have something to offer. We all have something to share and we all have dreams and visions. And I just want us to come alive in this group alone. We can do a lot of things if we're all walking in who we want to be, who, what we're supposed to be. Yeah. So yep. good. I think we'll, we'll get there for sure. I love it. Question six, how does our vision impact the community of Sonoma County, Santa Rosa, um, et cetera? which is great. This is our last question, so I'm trying to hurry. But this actually really falls into um, some conversations we've been having as a leadership team. And um, I really believe, you know, when, when missionaries go into other countries, they always address the health issues first before they address the spiritual issues. And the American church has got it backwards. 
We think if we get them saved, if we just pull them into the church, then all their problems will be fixed. But really, the most powerful place in someone's life is when they invite you to speak into it. It just is, and that's a lasting change, is one that you're, you're actually invited to speak into. And so for us to bring health to a community is to build trust with a community. That's really what it is. And I, let's be honest, guys. Sonoma County, it's not a Christian county. And they don't really trust us. I mean, there's bridges being built to have that ha happen, but they just don't really trust Christians. <laughs> right, for a good reason. We have misrepresented Jesus. You know, I feel like a lot of times our, we claim to be Christians, but we don't actually follow Christ. There you go. Yep. Totally. So our, our dream is, is to really bring trust back. Bring trust back to Jesus, really. Like, <laughs> bring trust back. Like, you know, the church for a long time was the forerunner for art and forerunner for healthcare. It was forerunner for a lot of things. And people really, like, when, when disasters happen, when when trauma happened, when big things happened, they would look to the church. I, I don't know if that's the case. I mean, some places, but not always. And it's, it's getting better. But So I believe that we are called to bring trust back. But um, do you want to share about uh, the movie? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Have you all seen the Jesus Revolution movie? Yeah. It, was, it was amazing. Really cool. Really cool history, too. Um, so I went... We went with the youth group, which was super fun, and I'm sitting there watching this story of, you know, hippies meeting a, a Christian or a pastor's daughter who introduces. There was like the, this, the, the, their story is amazing, um, but I'm watching this movie of the revival, and I think it was one of the last real revivals that hit our land. To be honest, that's my opinion. Um, and I was watching this movie, seeing. And we're really comparing our day now to that day. So back then, like, the church was, you know, you showed up in your nice shoes and your belt buckle, and you got it all going on, and you come and, you know, you have your Bible in your hand, and you, it's like this performance-type thing. And I, I wasn't alive then. I don't really know, but I was talking to his aunt, actually, and she was, like, she was, um, grew up in the church. Was her dad a pastor? Aunt I Ruthie? Don't, I don't think so. But she was telling me this, her, like, her perspective of what actually happened. She's down south, and she experienced all of a sudden the, these hippies were in her church. Like, she lived it, you know, and just really hearing, like, she wasn't allowed to wear pants. Like, it, those, like, rules and regulations. Like, that's how <laughs> strict the church was back then. It's, you know, we live and learn, and we, we go through things, and we become better all the time. And anyways, I'm watching this movie, and the, if you haven't seen it or if you know the story or not, there, were, there was a group of people that were not safe in the church because the walls were closed, because they looked different. The hippies are bad. They're dirty. They do drugs. They, you know, have sex with strangers. Like, whatever it is, like, whatever hippie is to you or to them, it wasn't accepted in the church. They weren't safe to come in. And I'm watching this, and I'm thinking, wow, like, who are, who are the hippies of our generation now? And are our doors open now? Yes. Yeah. So... I just, I'm watching this thinking, wow, like, I want to welcome anybody into my church, regardless whether they're hippies 
or gay or trans or homeless or whatever it is, you know? Like, I want to make sure, like, if, if they want to encounter Jesus, I want our doors to be spread wide open because Jesus loves everybody. There's not one person or one people group that is discounted that was not created in God's image. And yeah, sure, there's all kinds of, you know, stuff that's going on in their mind and they're trying to figure out their identity, but guess what? So am I, you know, like I'm not any different than them. I'm just maybe at a different level. I don't, I don't know. Like there's no comparison really, but I'm watching this movie thinking like, God, like I want to, I want my doors to be open. I want to love everybody. I want to love the hippies. I want to love everybody, regardless of who they are, regardless of who they think they are, regardless of what they've done in their past or if they come in without shoes on. I don't care. And so I'm watching this movie just completely like, okay, God, like I see, I see why this movie's coming out today because the church needs to wake up, you know, and I think the church is waking up to learn and we're going to learn how to love it. And we as a, we as the pursuit need to learn to love regardless of what people look like and regardless of how they act even. And so, you know, I, I think Jesus, he would have his doors open with the hip. And I think he wouldn't necessarily be in the church. He yeah, would be there, there but go. I think he would also be down on the cliffs. Yep. You know, he'd be in there in their homes and he would be going out. And so that's what we need to do as a church. But the biggest part of what I was, what I experienced with that movie is I was really convicted that, G, that God wants to bring a new wine to this land. And the problem is we're trying to bring, we're trying to put the new wine into an old wine skin and it's, it's, it constantly changes. I don't know how good wineskins last but I'm, let me tell you the church needs a new one and I think we're trying to figure out what that looks like and what we're how how do we do that because that new wine that's coming is coming for everybody and it's going to be un it cannot stay in the old wineskin because it's going to explode and come on explode that old wineskin get yeah. it out let's throw it in the trash and let's be willing to open up our hearts open up our lives open up our homes for everybody to come experience the love of Jesus because the love of Jesus you know the love of Jesus just conquers all you know and um there's I think that's the move of God like we're going to experience love like we've never experienced before and we're going to be loving people that we were afraid of before yeah. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of, ah, this is uncomfortable. Like, I like my comfort. So I would do really good in, like, I've, I've joked about, I'd be really good in the Catholic Church because there's really strict rules, right? You do this. You perform this way. If you don't, you say your penance, whatever. I, I don't really know. But <laughs> I feel like we need to crash like crack open what we think the church is supposed to look like because I think the church looks a lot more like Jesus than the American church. Yeah, that's right. And, and I, I do, I'm really excited about what's happening. You've, we've all heard about those revivals that are happening, the revivals that are happening. I'm sorry, I use quotes. That's like my, that's my, how I feel. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of hunger being stirred up and that's what we're feeling in the Asbury revival and in the colleges. It, that's, I don't think that's revival. I think that's hunger. That's a people, a young people that it's like burning. Okay, God, what do you have? What do you have? I don't want us at the pursuit to create more hunger. That doesn't sound right. That's not what I meant. I want us not, I want us to have hunger, cultivate hunger, but then actually do the action that follows up and go out into the world and yep, love people where they are. Let that hunger be stirred, but let's not keep it there. Let's not keep it in the walls of the church. Let's not just ask our Christian friends to come pray with us. Let's invite our friends over to dinner and just have a good time and love on them. Yep. So That's good, babe. I, sorry. Go, I, um, Don't be sorry. You I'm go, excited girl. about what's happening, and I just... 
as a community, I just, we need to have these conversations with each other because there, there, there is a lot of fear for me, even saying this. There's a lot of fear in saying how I feel, you know? Yeah. And, I, and I think we have to get comfortable asking the hard questions and having conversation and not having the answers. Yeah. So often I think we think we're supposed to have all of the answers, but sometimes we don't. Yep. And, so and that's okay. And that's yep. okay to, to ask. Keep asking the questions. Me, as a 37-year-old white straight girl, like, I have a lot of questions, and I need to not be afraid to ask questions yeah. because I want to learn to love. What's their perspective? What are they going through? What are they experiencing? Are you interested in Jesus? Because he's pretty freaking amazing. And, like, do you want to experience that love where yeah. he loves you who you are? Yeah, that's good, babe. Yeah, yeah we're done. <laughs> I just, you know, my, I just want to be like Jesus more than anything else, you know, and I, my, my name means Christina, Christ-like, and that's been my longtime goal, and Sam prophesied over me last week, which I was in a hard spot, so thanks for that, because now I could pull, pull, pull on it, but he said, you're a, mo- you're a mother, and I feel like we, like, and you were saying, like, creating a safe place, and I was like, okay, what does that mean? Do I actually do that, and what does that look like? But I feel like us as a community, me in this role as, you know, one of the heads, as one of the leaders in this place, like, we need to be mothers. We need to be safe places, and I think our vision, our mission, our core values is creating that, but we have to practice it, and to be honest, we have to practice it on each other first, (laughs) you know? Like, that's... That's the truth because it's hard to love even our own kids or our own friends or they hurt your feelings and you don't talk to them. You don't tell them what's going on for real. And, you know, we have to practice on each other. And I think if we do that, that's how our family grows. So good. Yes, I I, um, don't think I need to say much more about that. That was perfect. Exactly. But I will say that I believe the people group that we are called to is the hurting, the broken, those especially who have been wounded by religion. Those who have been hurt by religion have to be healed by relationship. I can't apologize for something that she did. So the church has to ask forgiveness. The church has to repair the wounds that they caused. And let's be honest, like she said, there's going to be a lot of questions, and we may not have the answers. And that is why, back to what I said at the beginning, it's important to me that you all feel safe to ask the questions. If you don't ask the questions and you're concerned about something, I'm like, I, I can't help you. I need you to, ha- to have voice, to, to ask the hard questions. We need you to speak into our lives because I, I'm just going to be real. I think we're heading, as a pers- the pursuit, we are heading into some difficult and controversial places where we are going to be, I'm just going to be honest for a second, okay? We are going to get it from both sides, okay? We're going to get it from Christians. We're going to get it from non-Christians, we're not doing this right, didn't say this right. I don't care as long as we love and we love well and keep Jesus at the center, okay? So partner with us, would you? And that's, we're just going to end with this. I mean, I look around this room and we've done a real good job of shrinking down to just the right amount of people. 
that are going to be safe. And so I just want to ask, if you would partner with us, I want you to stand in being a safe place for all people from all walks of life, because that's where we're going. So if that's you and you're going to partner with us, I'm going to stand. And we're just going to end with all of us just saying, we commit to this. Like, we commit to being a safe place. And it's not always going to be easy. It's, we're not always going to know what to do. We're not always going to know what's right. But I'm committed, Christina's committed, to being a safe place. And giving tools for people to be the best version of themselves. Okay? So let's pray with me. Jesus, we say yes to your call. Do it. Start with us. Help us have the wisdom to rebuild trust. Give us the wisdom to rebuild trust, to show really who you are, to really show the love of Jesus. We say we, we will do it. We will be your hands and feet. We will be your hands and feet to a broken, hurting world. And just give us grace, God. Give us grace. Give us grace to love big, forgive big, accept big. Give us grace. We love you so much. Hold on. I I just have like a, a picture of this room. And I can, I can see God anointing everybody. Like this is drippy, ooey, gooey love, just dripping us, dripping over us, anointing us with love. So God, we thank you for that. I ask you continue to let us be saturated in your love, the love that only comes from you. Lord, let us be saturated so that we can love like you. Yeah. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you all. Thank you so much for indulging us. Thank you for listening to The Pursuit Podcast. For more information about The Pursuit, visit us at thepursuitsoco.com.